On this episode, Chris and I chat with Joe Shellerud from Ad Advance, and we're talking all about Amazon DSP advertising. And Chris, this was really fun because Joe knows his stuff on DSP ads. Yeah, this is an area both you and I are just not really familiar with. Mm -hmm. You know, we're more focused on sponsored product, sponsored brand, even sponsored display. So DSP is a new territory for us. A lot of moving parts are in this area. Um, different types, different targeting types on Amazon, off Amazon. There's a bunch. Yeah. So yeah. He, he's good. I love having Joe on. Oh yeah, and this is perfect. If you're if you're just interested in what DSP is, you're gonna learn a ton on this. If you're a seller that has really just you're fully set, your your full advertising structures with your sponsor product, sponsored brand is is fully optimized. You're killing it, and you're ready to go in the DSP. You're gonna learn a ton on this episode as well. So let's go ahead. Let's jump into the interview with Joe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 87 of Two Amazon Sellers and a Microphone, brought to you by Solozo. Today, we're Chris and I are very excited. We have uh, an amazing, super knowledgeable guest on with us, Joe Shellerud from AdAdvance. You're the co-founder and CEO of AdAdvance, and we are excited to have you. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing great, and thanks for having me on, Dustin and Chris. Oh yeah. yeah, for sure. If anybody's on there on social, I mean, surely they've seen Joe post and all over the place. He's really active on, on Facebook, on LinkedIn. He's always mm -hmm. posting some good topics. So if you're not following Joe or at advance, I definitely would go do it. Yeah. <laughs> and your content's great. I mean, what you post on LinkedIn is fantastic. So keep oh, I appreciate up, it. Keep, keep up the good work. It's uh, it's fun. You're very into statistics and you publish some like great facts about experiments that you've run or all the, the numbers that you see coming in. So it's very helpful to the community, to the Amazon advertising community, what you're putting out there. So That's keep awesome. that up for sure. And also we met you uh, because we did a little clubhouse uh, thing together. That was a lot of fun. A lot of yeah. fun to be at the clubhouse and answering questions about advertising. So good, good times there. But all right. So for everyone listening, if they're not on social media following you, why don't you just give you a little background on how you got into the Amazon space? why you started at advance and anything else you want to add yeah yeah for sure so um i actually started out on amazon in 2014 and i started as a seller um so i started out initially with retail arbitrage getting just trying to figure out amazon and then proceeded into doing my own private label so um i'm an engineer by background that's kind of where some of the stats and the analytics comes out but um, I, I sell these organic chemistry molecular model kits. So they're used for organic chemistry courses in college. So if you take OCHEM, you have to go through, and a lot of them you buy these little 3D models where you can model out like cyclohexane and you know different different 3D models, kind of like Lego for nerds. Um, and so from there, I built up that business and I got to the point where I was looking to outsource my PPC. Um, just taking the engineering mentality, I'd built up some tools for myself. And what I found is that at the time, um, I was doing a lot more than a lot of the different options that I was finding. So at that point, really started digging more into the advertising side and thinking, you know, maybe I can help out some other sellers in the space. Um, so at that point, I met up with Matt Wickland, um, who is their co-founder for Ad Advance. We put our heads together and 
really started focusing on our tools and our process from day one. And then since then have really built out at advance we're a full service agency focusing both on sponsored ads and DSP. So that's just general synopsis of my Amazon life as a whole. <laughs> that's well, it's so funny because Chris and I also both started our Amazon journey in 2014 around the same time. Um, and yeah, things are massively different from then until now. Uh, yeah. Are, are you still, do you still run your own Amazon business now? Yep. So it still lives on. I have somebody else who manages it for me. And in all honesty, it's kind of a sandbox for us to test out different advertising methods. So <laughs> we use that as a good trial place for it. We've got a new idea. We want to start on advertising. Let's start in my seller account prove that it works. And then from there, we can roll it out. We know that game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's dive in because with the topic today that we want to really touch on <clears throat> is something that in all honesty, something that Chris and I don't dabble in a lot. Uh, you post a lot about it, which is one thing that we're excited about having you on about is Amazon DSP. Uh, and, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, you know, a lot of people don't really understand it, what it is, it's, it's different. So we're going to talk about, we'd love to have you talk about what it is and how it's different from all the other forms of advertising on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So for anybody who's not familiar with Amazon DSP, essentially it's a separate advertising platform that Amazon has alongside sponsored ads. And so really what DSP does is it builds on Amazon's first party data that they get, I mean, Amazon, if you look at it, uh, they've got their e-commerce wing, they've got their web services wing, and then they have their advertising wing. And really on the advertising side, what they can use is the immense amount of data that they've built up on consumer shopping preferences just from their e-commerce side. And so the big difference between like sponsored ads and DSP is just the level of control and the level of detail that you can really get into in the DSP side. Um, so like there's placements that are both off on and off of Amazon, um, where sponsored ads is typically cost per click. Uh, DSP is all going to be a uh, cost per view. So it's an impression based attribution model versus a click attribution model. Um, there's a lot of controls that you can use for the creatives for your ads. Um, another cool feature is that you don't necessarily have to send them back to your product detail page. Um, so you can use it, say, I want to run an ad for somebody who has viewed X product, and then I want to send them to my website in the ad. Hmm. So you have a lot of controls there. Um, and the other major item is the audiences that you can set up. So not only can you do like retargeting, say if somebody views my product detail page, um, but they don't purchase, I could retarget them with ads. But I could do that for say, I have some products that are very similar to other products and say I'm selling um, women's running shirts and I also sell women's running shorts. So if they buy some of my shirts, now I can target them, they purchased here and now I can target them with my shorts hmm. or, even other options, like I can put a pixel on my website and if somebody views my website, now I can display an ad showing my products on Amazon. Um, or the other final audience that you can do, and really I'm skimming over a lot of them, but you can, if you have a mailing list, um, you can actually provide that as an hashed audience and then you can even get more specific. So you could do like 
people who are within my mailing list that have viewed my website in the last 60 days and have also viewed my product detail page. Like this is the, the level of detail that you can get on the audience creation. Um, so there's a ton of controls that you can do and implement where you can't do that with sponsored ads. So just general overview on kind of what DSP looks like. And, and are these on Amazon or off Amazon ads? Uh, so they're both. Um, and you can actually set up different targets. So uh, I can specify if I want it to be on Amazon or off of Amazon. Um, so if it's off Amazon, um, it can show up on spots like, say, if I'm going to weather.com. And you know how you go to like weather.com or a different news website and you'll see the banner ad off to the side. And sometimes it's displaying that listing that you just looked at on Amazon. Um, those are those are DSP ads or sometimes they could be sponsored display uh, the views audience ads. But for the most part, they're DSP ads. So off Amazon, um, there's a bunch of different websites, a bunch of different publisher websites, and they sell ad space on their website. And then Amazon DSP helps to determine, all right, if I'm part of a specified audience that an advertiser wants to target, and then whoever has the highest bid gets that ad space. And so that's kind of how you see all these outside of Amazon placements. And then on Amazon, is it detail page? That on Amazon, yeah. So, so there's multiple different placements that show up on Amazon. Um, even things like the top banner on the homepage, you can see that now. Sponsor displays owning some of those spaces too. Um, but for instance, if I see placements below, like the buy box on the detail page, or below the the bullet points, um, so that's either going to be a DSP ad. Um, primarily, these used to all be DSP ads or else they could be a sponsored display product targeting ad to you. So you're starting to see this overlap between sponsored display ads and DSP. Um, they tend to share some of the same placements on Amazon and sometimes off of Amazon. Um, but in general, those are some of the placements, but there's a lot more that show up on Amazon too. So uh, Dustin and I both have access to sponsored display. What, what is the difference between a sponsored display and DSP, because we can do off Amazon targeting with sponsored display as well. What what are we what do you benefit from with the DSP? I'm sure it's more about audiences and, and getting more customer information, but what, what's the big thing you get with DSP? Sure. Yeah. So if I look at sponsored display, I can kind of split sponsored display into two parts. So one is uh, product targeting which I kind of view as an extension of sponsored products, product targeting ads. Mm -hmm. um, so these are, you just provide an ASIN or a category, and then your ads can show up on whatever ASIN or categories that you target, just like for sponsored products. You can customize it a bit. So it's a little bit different, but kind of like an extension of sponsored products ads. Um, then with sponsored display, I have audience targeting. And it's been fun because we've got to talk to the, the product teams for sponsored display and DSP. And um, essentially what sponsored display audiences, sponsored display is trying to be like the self-service DSP. So as a seller coming in, what are some ads that I can set up to use some of the key features of DSP, or I guess well, I'll say most commonly used features for DSP. And so sponsored display is kind of like a simplified version of DSP. Um, DSP is so complex that you really need agency or Amazon support to help run those ads. Whereas sponsored display, I can set up some basic retargeting ads. 
Um, or if you've seen like searches and purchases popping up for some clients, they haven't rolled that out fully. That's kind of like some other targeting, audience targeting options you can have for DSP. Um, key benefit with DSP is we just get so much more control. Um, so I've got a set look back window in sponsored display remarketing. And so right now default is 30 days. Um, I anticipate they're gonna open that up where you can change that. Um, but for DSP, I can set up different ads. So say if they've viewed within the last three days, maybe I wanna show my ad more frequently because it's more likely to convert then. And then maybe I wanna look at the last 60 days, but they haven't purchased in the last year. So I can set up an audience for that to maybe I slow my frequency a bit, but I still wanna remind them that they visited my product. Um, so that's kind of the difference between the two. Um, sponsor display is a great way to get going on retargeting. Um, but it, it's kind of like the self-service version and then DSP really opens up the gates on everything else that you can do. Go ahead, because I, I got a yeah. lot of questions. Yeah, so do I. Uh, this, is, this is fascinating to me um, because of that level of complexity. Um, and you're right. I mean, I mean, let's face it, sponsor product and sponsor brand and all that, they're not like they're not complex. For <laughs> I mean, sure. They're very simple compared to what we're talking about here with DSP, but they're still, I mean, you have to have a real high level of knowledge to be able to manage those and do. And, optimize and do them right. Um, and now DSP is sort of a whole nother level. Uh, just overall though, done well, what, what kind of effectiveness are you seeing from these campaigns? How do they relate? How do they compare in terms of like, if you do a sponsor product ad really well versus a DSP, sure. how do they convert? Yeah, so so that's one thing that we're always looking at. We're, we're always trying to find those unique opportunities where we can find the better performance overall. And mm -hmm. so like previously, just going through a couple new rollouts, like um, we had sponsored products placement adjustments um, where you could target like top of search and product page. We were seeing some really good results for a top of search uh, because a lot of people weren't utilizing it from the start. So mm -hmm. we were pushing that for quite a while. And now we start to see those bids go up as people are seeing that good performance and more people adopt it. Um, we were seeing the same thing for sponsor brands video and sponsored display product targeting. That was another one that right when they rolled it out, we were pushing it out to all of our clients, great results. And now it's kind of reset itself back to about, you know, middle of the line performance as more people are utilizing it. Um, right now for, especially for bottom of the funnel strategies, meaning like, retargeting, repurchases, even some like cross purchases, we're seeing really good results. Um, you know, I'm just looking at the stat right now. So our retargeting campaigns over the last couple months uh, are averaging an 11% ACoS or an 8.8 .8 ROAS. So super wow. good compared to our sponsored ads. Um, one thing to note is as you work your way up the funnel, so say I want to get more broad with my targeting and maybe I want to do some conquesting and target my competitors. I want to do more or category targeting to broaden out my base. ROAS isn't going to be as good for those strategies, but for these bottom of the funnel strategies, it seems like right now there is not as much competition leading to lower bids for the performance that we're seeing. So we're, we're really excited about it. Um, and then once you build that base with DSP, now you can really broaden it out and there's just infinite possibilities as you work your way up the funnel to find these different audience categories. And, and how do you get access to DSP? Sure, yeah. And so this is one of the reasons why there isn't as much competition for DSP is there are some major hurdles to get through. 
Um, so the traditional way would be to go directly through Amazon. And what you'd have to do as a seller is commit like 30 to $50,000 in spend, um, which is a huge hurdle. I mean, as a seller, I would never commit to that, <laughs> not knowing what performance I'm going to get. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the other thing that's happened historically too is as Amazon has managed these campaigns, you know, they're incentivized for ad spend. And uh, so they would typically recommend these very broad strategies. They'd look at it and be like, yep, there's, there's 20 million people who have showed some interest in the sporting good category. So let's target <laughs> all those people. Um, and so you would get all these sellers who were getting burned by just starting way too broad and not having the bottom of the funnel built out. And they wouldn't see it in terms of overall sales eventually. They'd get a ton of traffic from just this random audience that was built out, but it wouldn't result in any underlying results. Um, so what I would recommend is finding an agency that manages DSP. Um, so we do that. There's a lot of other great agencies out there that do that too. Um, and you can typically get in with a lot less of a spend commitment. Um, since we have an, a DSP entity access, we can bundle all of our accounts together to meet those min thresholds that Amazon establishes to have DSP access. Um, so personally, we don't have any spend minimums for our clients. Um, to get going. And the, the key reason is that we want to show those initial results. And as we do that, then we see people really start expanding their spend. Um, just like for sponsored display, you want to try it out, see what results you're going to get. And then if you see good results, now let's invest more into it. We're seeing the same thing for DSP. So we like to set that up without the hurdle um, because committing tens of thousands of dollars it can be a big hurdle for some sellers, for some big brands, definitely not a big issue, but for a lot of other sellers, it's a big commitment. So we want to show the performance first. Um, now, you mentioned earlier that uh, you can drive this traffic wherever you want, to your website, to your Amazon listing. Do you have to be an Amazon seller to, in order to use DSP? Or could you just be a brand that's looking to drive traffic to their website? Yeah, yeah, and this is where it's exciting too, because you do not have to be an Amazon seller to utilize it. Um, and so if I'm not an Amazon seller, but I have competitors who are, I can actually use their ASINs as target for my advertising. So if they went to my competitors' ASINs but did not purchase, that's probably a good indication that they're interested in my category of products. And so what I can do is I can use that information to now target them with ads to say, send them back to my landing page. Um, and so it's very, it, it's extremely valuable information. And probably one other thing to hit is that recently there's been some major privacy updates in the marketing space. So with iOS 14 update for iPhones, um, Apple's really clamping down on what apps can do to track across different apps. And so you're seeing companies like Facebook really come out against it because it's going to impact the data that they can provide to advertisers quite a bit. Um, even on the Google side, um, they're making different cookie changes for how they track different people as they go around the web. And so with the two major players on Google and Facebook side, you're seeing less data. 
Um, but on the Amazon side, since a lot of the really important first party data comes directly within the app, all these privacy changes don't really impact that. And so you're getting all this great consumer shopping information. And with Amazon, so many people shop there that you're getting it closest to the purchase too. Um, and so you combine those two together along with all the different creative targeting options. There's just infinite ways that you can use this information to one, find a very relevant audience um, and then two, drive them to whatever source you want to. It doesn't necessarily have to be an Amazon list in. Joe, this seems so complex. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I know sponsored products, like sponsored brand, like those are two of the main focus that, Dustin and I run with because that's like the easiest ones to you know get some sales going and and roll with and and then you we got sponsor display we dabbled in that but this seems like a whole sure. new world yeah <laughs> yeah and I'm not gonna lie like setting up everything it's extremely complex getting into it um, if you distill it down to the strategies though then then it gets a lot simpler it's just all these different options that you have and the reporting is different and even the vocabulary is different instead of campaigns it's orders and instead of ad groups it's line items um so there's all these little nuances with the system but if you distill it down to the overall goals on what you're trying to achieve that's what makes it a lot simpler you know so am i just trying to retarget people who have previously visited my projects or am i trying to drive a cross purchase for somebody who bought my one of my other products and now I want them to buy this product or am I going a little bit more up the funnel and I'm trying to target somebody who viewed my competitor but didn't purchase from my competitor so I, I can have an audience for that and you can just slowly work your way up the funnel with these general strategies how we implement them is more complex and just the options that you have make it a lot more complex but in general, if you tie it back to the specific advertising strategies that you're using, then you can find those correlations between what we do on the sponsored ad side and the DSP ad side. And all those strategies, I'm assuming those are all like separate campaigns per se, like you're doing a campaign for retargeting competitor, but didn't purchase, target competitor, but did purchase. Like there's so many, there seems like there's so many options that yep. you would just want to separate those out in all different campaigns. Exactly. Yep. So we separate those out into different campaigns and really what changes is the audience that we're targeting. And so the audience is just, you can specify, did they visit ASIN X? And then did they purchase ASIN X? Or you can do and ors to kind of really build up or exclude different people. Um, you can pick if you're targeting just say like the mobile app versus browser. And so What's really cool from our side and where we get really pumped up about this too is that there's so many different split tests you can do um, that just aren't as easy to do on the sponsored ad side. And so for those who can really dig into it and find these insights, I feel like there's so many hidden areas where you can get solid advertising returns. It's really just goes into the testing and finding out what works and then building on that. And you mentioned cost per impression is what DSP is is on based for like cost per click on advertising on sponsored product. Yeah. What do you see in there? I mean, that seems like that could get out of hand quick. Yeah. Yeah. So it's cost per thousand impressions. So you'll okay. see, you'll see CPM as the as the abbreviation for it. And really, what we do is we optimize. Um, DSP has different controls where they will actually help control the bids too. And so you can set um, different different uh, bidding strategies. 
So say I want to maximize my conversions, more of a ROAS type strategy. I can specify that within the DSP console too. Um, so unlike sponsored ads, um, Amazon has more control of the bids, but they seem to do a really good job on maximizing the conversions if we're sending them back to Amazon pages. Um, you can also do that for, say, if I'm sending them to the website, but I had to set up like what my what counts as a conversion off the website. So in terms of like costs and everything, um, it's not really equivalent to the cost per click that we see on the Amazon side. Um, but at the same time, in terms of like returns, so if we just look at sales or yeah, if we look at sales over spend equals ROAS, you know, we can determine that we're getting a solid return right now. And so you do have to be careful. Like we can take a look at and see wherever our ads are shown. So we get a list of all the different domains that they're shown, weather.com. And then we get some random ones where they show, but never convert. We can start excluding those too. So mm. again, there's a lot more control. Um, and then we also see, we can view all the on Amazon placements too. So yeah, lots of data, lots of analysis. It's definitely not built for, you know, the average seller to come in and utilize it like sponsored ads like you can do with sponsored ads even though it is getting much more complicated and complex as we go um but yeah if you're working with the right people who can dig into it that's really where the opportunity is with dsp i want to i want to touch on that what you brought up right there in a second about you know when at what point in the seller's life cycle do they adopt dsp as a part of their uh, strategy. Uh, sure. But before I do that, I want to touch on one thing. You mentioned that you have different creative options, uh, more options for creatives. What what are what do those look like? I mean, can you run videos and big banners? What what all can you do? With, sure. With yeah, yeah. And, and so I'll preface it that we're still really expanding our testing on creatives just because there are so many different options. Um, so the, the main one that we're using is a responsive ad, which will resize itself based off of the placement on different websites. Mm. But you can actually set up creatives where, okay, I just want this X dimension and Y dimension. These are, these are the two that are gonna convert best. But we right now, the responsive ones seem to do pretty well. And these are the ones that look like a traditional Amazon ad as we would recognize them. So when you're on weather.com and you see the, you know, the ad pop up off to the side, you look at it, you know that it's an Amazon advertisement, but you can add in your own images. You can add in your own videos. So you can actually with DSP, you can do OTT um, advertising, which is, would actually show up as an advertisement, say if I'm watching like Prime Video. Um, so you can, you can actually build audiences based off of like, uh, uh, Twitch. And if they watch a certain genre of shows on prime video, so tons of different options on the creative side, up to this point, we've really seen a lot more success in what people associate with Amazon. Cause for the most part, we are doing this for Amazon sellers and sending them back to the Amazon site. Um, but as we continue to expand our testing, there's, there's limitless options there too. Those things that are on, um, like on streaming services, those are like commercials basically that you yep. can put. Yep. I've, yep. I've seen this. Uh, yeah. I've watched a lot of live TV on Hulu and yeah. for some reason these ads are targeted to what exactly what I've been looking at. Uh, sure. so that's, that right there is a whole nother fascinating avenue. <laughs> yeah. So you two could create a Salozo commercial 
And then, yep, and then you could put it up as an OTT ad using Amazon DSP. Gosh. <laughs> it's, wild. it's wild these days. Uh, yeah. Well, let's go back to my uh, question I was going to bring up now is at what point, so you're, you start selling on Amazon, you know, you're going through your traditional uh, product launch where you're using sponsored product, sponsor brand, sponsor brand video, sponsor display. You're doing well. At what point does it make sense? uh to jump into dsp yeah yeah so as you're getting going i would say first focus on sponsor products sponsor brands and then start dabbling with sponsor display too mm -hmm. so really get sponsored ads nailed um so you don't want to get into the complexities of dsp until you've got sponsored ads nailed and at that point you're going to really build a great understanding on how those advertisements work and there's a bunch of correlations as you move into DSP. So definitely use like great tools like you guys have or go through an agency that helps you get them set up. Um, but I would focus on that first before ever considering DSP. Um, once you really feel like you have a solid sponsored ad strategy set, then at that point, Amazon DSP is a great next source. Um, the other instance where I would say that DSP, you might want to move that up a bit in the process is say if you have really good sources of like outside traffic. Um, so for instance, uh, we have one client who wrote a really good selling book and then they have a product that's tied to the book. And so what we can do is we can use DSP to find people who purchased that book and now show them ads with the product that they're going to recognize because it was located in the book. Or if you have great sources for like, say, outside webinars um, and you've built up a good list, you need 20,000 uh, entries or more to create a hash audience. But if you have that, like this can be great ways to utilize the outside traffic um, or outside sources that you've generated previously um, to drive people to your Amazon listing. Or again, you can use DSP for outside of Amazon selling too. And it's just the options are limitless. And and one thing that really it popped my head early on when you were talking about this about driving traffic uh, off Amazon essentially, like to your website. You know, as sellers, there's when you're starting, there's all this. You know, you're so worried about like putting if you're breaking any sort of terms of service with your putting your website, you know, or any of that in inserts, and, and there's Amazon's customer, not yours. So when you do DSP and you're driving traffic to your website. It, I mean, sounds like Amazon's okay with it. And in that regard with DSP is, I mean, cause once they're on your website, you can convert them to your customer, get all their yep. information, which is what everyone would love to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if somebody purchased from me, I could retarget them with a different ad directing them to my website. Like Amazon itself is never gonna give me the specific customer information, but as long as my audience is big enough, now I can target that audience and then send them to my website if they convert there. Now I've got their full information and you know can kind of build them into my client list where I can reach out with other other relevant offers. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something people are always trying to do. So that can be yeah. very, very valuable. Uh, so, okay. DSP, that was, it's really fun to talk about that. I mean, Chris, do you have more, do you want to dive into on that? Yeah, I mean, it just, it just seems like a whole new thing that mm -hmm. you're, if you're not ready to conquer, if you haven't conquered, like Joe mentioned, if you haven't conquered sponsor product, sponsor brand, 
DSP probably should just be on way on the back burner until you copy or to conquer these other two first. Cause it just seems like there's a lot of moving parts. And mm -hmm. if you, I mean, sellers get shiny objects in there. Like, Oh, I, I want to, I want to try out this. You're going to take your eye off that. So I, I mean, just, it seems like a whole new world to me. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I kind of want to test it out really. See how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> but Joe, yeah. you, you talked about like, you're talking about funnels and like top of funnel, bottom of funnel. If I'm if I'm selling a consumable item, what's just a generic setup that you would do in DSP? Like something just like in, in sponsored product, it's a catch-all campaign where you just throw all your products in a catch-all campaign, low bid, uh, gets you a lot of sales really, really quick. What's something that in DSP that you can do that's the simple setup that you always do with the client whenever they come to you? Sure. Yeah. So for like consumables, that's where DSP yeah. is really fun too. So what you can do is like, first I can set up a base retargeting campaign. So if they visit say my supplement site or my, my supplement product listing page, but they don't convert. Okay. I'm going to want to display an ad to get them to add to cart, which we can actually see how many people add to cart. Um, and then eventually purchase. And by the way, it is amazing how many people add to cart, um, but do not purchase. Like personally for me, if I add something to cart, like I immediately go to purchase. Um, we're seeing like 200 add to carts with 40 orders, which wow. kind of blew me away. But then we were talking to the team today and asking, and a lot of people actually use it kind of as like a wish list or just kind of a bookmark. Um, mm -hmm. And so you can actually track that difference too within DSP, but um, circling back. So retargeting for sure. And then with consumables, the next great step is repurchases. And so say I know that the average person is going to use up this bottle of supplements in 60 days. Now, starting at day 60, I can start retargeting them with other ads to repurchase again. And so I can go to drive that purchase to make them remember, okay, yep, I'm, I'm about to run out. I should probably order um, another bottle of the supplement. Um, so really it's retargeting and repurchases. And then as you work your way up the funnel, so now we want to expand sales and say we want to grow our market share. Now what I can do is I can look at people who viewed my competitor, which is pretty similar, but I know I have a better product. And say they viewed their listing, but didn't complete the purchase. Now I can retarget them with that, with ads because I know that they were looking at my competitor. They're very interested in the product, but they didn't complete their purchase. Now maybe I can grow my market share that way, kind of like a product targeting ad does too. Um, so those are, those are the basic strategies. And then you can just keep broadening it out as you go. Yeah. As you launch a new product, I can target people that bought this product and target them with this new product. Yep. It seems like you can do all that kind of stuff. Wow. Yeah. And Chris, you had a great point too. And, and one item that I just wanted to hit on a little bit more is like building the base with sponsored products and sponsored brands is huge. And the reason why is that you need enough traffic to your product detail pages to actually create an audience. Mm -hmm. So say I only have 10 people view my product detail page. I, Amazon's not going to let me create an audience there because it's just too small. I can really like zone in on just a few people. And so really what we need is thousands of detail page views over the last 30 days to create an audience or we have to start bundling products together. So you really want to build out that base with your sponsored ads first. And then once you've got that base built, now you can use DSP to try to recapture some people 
who went to the listing based off of, say, your sponsor products ads or your sponsor brands ads, but didn't convert. Now I can use that. And then once they convert, now I can use DSP to make sure that I still have loyal customers that keep coming back and repurchasing from you. You don't have to give me exacts, but what do you think is a dollar amount a seller needs to be doing on a monthly basis before DSP is even an option? Sure. Yeah, I would say, you know, in terms of like ad spend and everything, I would say once you're at the 10 to 20K a month mark um, on the sponsored ad side, at that point, you're probably got enough traffic um, where DSP makes a lot of sense to add in. And so, and we can start small. We have multiple clients that are starting spending a couple thousand dollars a month on DSP. What we are seeing is that once they're seeing that initial performance, we typically start more lower funnel strategies. Now they want to reinvest into it. And so we're seeing a lot of accounts growing there. But I, I would say anywhere like the 10 to 20K a month mark, um, especially if you just have a limited number of products with that 10 grand that you're spending, we're typically going to have enough volume where we can do some fun stuff on the DSP side. Cool. All right. I want to uh, just shift gears a little bit because I want to talk about uh, a while ago, you posted something on LinkedIn that really resonated. Of course, it resonated with us because Filozo is a PPC automation tool yeah. uh, that sellers use. And you posted, which I 100% agree with, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially uh, the combination of automation and then somebody who can monitor and implement the strategy is the sweet spot because you have a lot of people in the in the Amazon space you know they they don't want any sort of automation so they're working their tail off on adjustments and then some people that uh, you know rely entirely on automation uh, and there's obviously limitations to that so that I want I bring that up because it's it such a, a great point and you can touch on more about just how you the combination of automation with uh, your strategic implementations is the best benefit. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and so uh, uh, it's, it's a great topic and you get the very varying aspects or viewpoints on it. And so what I typically see is you get a camp that is very against automation in the advertising market. And typically what's happened is they've tried to go to a provider who would market themselves as providing all this AI to get you 5% ACOS and quadruple mm -hmm. your sales. And right. it, it's just not how it works. And then there's other instances where your product may not convert well enough, um, where even if you have the best advertising strategy in the world, you may still not see great results on the advertising side. And so mm -hmm. I see a lot of people get pretty jaded with automation on the advertising side, just because they haven't had good results in the past. Mm -hmm. um, but really the, the key thing is that just knowing the strengths of each. So with automation, there's key things that work really well. Um, and there's key things that you should never automate. So um, mm -hmm. bid optimization is great. Placement adjustments are great. Um, but if I'm looking at overall setting my goals, I should never just rely on software to do that. Like that's, you know, it ties into my overarching business and a set of software is never really going to get all the nuances on what I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. Is my key goals to grow sales? Is it really margin focused? Because I have a tight margin. Um, Things like keyword research, algorithms are constantly getting better at finding new options, but you have to use your intuition too, because you know your products better than anybody else on mm -hmm. what really makes sense. And so, you know, you guys have some great software at Solozo. 
Um, we've internally developed our software to support our agency. We use all of our proprietary software and we've really tried to be aware and make those distinctions for what should our team be doing and what should the software be doing and never let there be a gray area in between. One is always going to be better for the different options. And I think like you guys do too, it's really just focusing on where are those best pieces where our software can come in to help. And then what are those items where it's really more dependent on the seller's perspective or the expert's perspective on how we optimize these campaigns? I guess, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, that's a great way to summarize it uh, because the automation automates, is especially like well, in terms of Solozo, it's designed to automate and optimize your strategy. The problem is, is if somebody, if they, if they have a, concept in their mind, whether they're a new seller or not, I mean, if their goal is a 2% ACOS, it's not achievable. They're, what they're going to do is they're the uh, if they try to automate that, uh, it's going to try to automate to get it a low ACOS and their ads don't show and there's no sales. So those kind of things like we we're talking about, like if you've got competing goals, like, hey, I want to have the most sales I've ever had and also spend the least amount of advertising dollars, <laughs> you know, you can't you can't optimize that. That's a that doesn't work. But if your goal is to you know I want to increase my sales, and that's and you brought up a good point also about just the conversion issue. If it's if there's a product problem or a listing problem, your ad strategy could be perfect, uh, but it's not going to convert. And so that's something that Chris and I do all the time. I mean, the first thing we talk about is let's let's take a look at your product and your images and your listings. I mean, if if it's not something that ads would work, that's the first thing we tell them. Hey, we're, we don't even want to turn on ads yet until we fix these these issues. So I I agree 100%. I, I'm uh, as a seller myself now being uh, involved with Soloso. Just the amount. I mean, I did it manually for for years PPC, and I know that I probably failed in a couple of areas just because I didn't put in enough time to make all of the adjustments. I you'd get you do some of them, but not all of them, and not enough. Um, you know, and then you also have biases sometimes where your thoughts go over what the hard data is telling you and you make poor decisions because of that. So there's a great, there's a great blend. And when you blend them, I do feel like you get the absolute best, uh, that you can get. For sure. Yeah. yeah. One, one thing I like is, is in, in, sorry to cut you off there, Joe. One thing I like there is, is the bid, the bid adjustments. Like that is something I've never did when I was manually doing, campaigns. And if I did it, it was like once a month, select all increase bids by 30% and be done with it. Yeah. Like that was that was it. So the, the automation of bid adjustments, I do like that. I also like the transfer of keywords. I like that. And, and then the, the, the placements. Now that we have the placement options, you can automate that as well. That's something we're going to be doing as well. I, I like that too, because those are all still like manual things you got to kind of tweak. Um, so there's there is a fine line. I'm with you on that. Uh, but I do think a lot of people that are against it, they've been burned before mm -hmm. and, and they've been burned and they got a bad sour taste in their mouth. And whenever they hear the word automation, they immediately shut down. Mm -hmm. um, so, so you got to kind of like revive them. Like, hey, look, it's you're still controlling it. We're just automating the basic things like <laughs> not not the we're not telling you to start whole new campaigns and do all this. No, it's we're just going to just do basic automation. You can still control that. There's still control. So mm -hmm. I think it. I think it's a fine line. 
Yeah. Yeah. When we look at our software, it's really, you know, we're leading those goals. So we're steering the ship and then our software helps to control all those minute details um, to make sure that you're getting to whatever those goals are set. And Dustin, I think you had a great point too. you know, just circling back to the conversion issue too. Um, like there's many clients who want to hire us on and we'll do a review and you know what we're not seeing is an issue with their advertising even though their advertising metrics do not look good um a lot of the times it, it relates back to that their product for whatever reason is just not converting as well mm -hmm. and so we have to turn down a number of clients just because of that but we do that initial screening just so we make sure that you know for sponsored ads management or dsp we want to make sure that we're setting you up for success. And the last thing we want to do is have you pay us money and not be happy for it. And mm -hmm. so we have to focus on the things that we can control on the advertising side while then providing good recommendations on how you can potentially fix those product issues. And then once those are done, now let's really focus on the ads. One hundred like percent page. One hundred percent agree. Uh, and we do a similar thing at Saloza where we talk to people before they start even using our software. We talk to them, talk about their goals, make sure that they um, were, were setting it up in the right direction to meet their goals and, and just let them know if they're doing something that uh, may not be achievable because I think that's very, very that's important. Um, all right. So I know we're I know we're running up against uh, a time here, but for everyone who's watching this and they want to get in touch with you, how let them know how can they get in touch with you and add advance sure um probably the best spot is on linkedin if you find me joe shellerud um or go to the website at advance.com um those are great spots uh, we've been doing some more clubhouses so you can find the links and probably going through linkedin and everything is the the best spot but we're on facebook too so lots of good content that we're trying to put together and just share what we're learning overall um, as we continue to progress and learn more in the DSP space, we'll be sharing that. But we also focus on a lot of the new features that the sponsored side is rolling out. And like you guys know, I mean, the sponsored ad side it just itself is becoming so complicated and big and just keeping up with all the features there is just it's an effort in itself. So there's lots of great content and feel like, you know, if you can stay on top of Amazon advertising along with a lot of other things, um, it's just that next edge that you can really get as a seller to make sure that you're building your business for the long term. It's great stuff. Well, I encourage everyone who's listening to go follow you on LinkedIn. I love the content you put out. Uh, I also love the fact that, look, this is the the Amazon PPC space has a lot of great people in it. We we want everyone to succeed. I mean, we we want our clients to succeed. We want we, we learn from each other. You know, we and what I loved when we were talking on Clubhouse the other day. That was a that was a blast. Learned a lot from from you and and what you're doing. So I encourage everyone follow follow Joe on LinkedIn. His content is absolutely fantastic. And we'll have to get you back on again because this. Obviously, the landscape changes a lot of time. There's always stuff to talk about. We touched on one tiny little piece uh, with DSP, but uh, we'll get you back on again um, real soon for sure. Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds great. I, if you can't tell, I love talking about this yeah. stuff. So. <laughs> I know. We, we liked having you on. This was good. Yeah. This was really yeah. good. Yep. So we'll, we will do it again. Everyone who's out there listening right now, if you like content like this, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. If you're watching this live stream right now, whether you're on uh, Saloza's Facebook page or our YouTube channel, make sure you subscribe to those as well. Turn on notifications so you get notified when we go live with 
awesome people like Joe and this great content. Uh, so I encourage you to do that. We do it almost every single day. So please make sure you like and subscribe this. All right, Joe, thanks so much, everyone. We'll be back at this again tomorrow. Have a great day. Thanks, guys.